Under the Bar podcast here uh, in the Millennium Noggin, as we always mm. are. Mm. Thanks very much for tuning in. If you're one of our regular listeners, you know, God love you. Mm. Uh, God bless you. If only we we're as strong Hallelujah. as you. If you're a first-time listener, uh, who knows? Yeah. Who knows what will happen? Um, Probably the first and last time for some of those first-timers, Tommy. You would imagine so. But look, our special guest today is uh, oh, worth... This guy might get a few few bums on seats, this, this, this guy. Yeah, look, we were talking about Worthy. this pre-show, Rod, and we'd say arguably one of Australia's greatest ever bodybuilders, mm, mm, mm. Charlie Duca. Yes. A former IFBB pro. Mm-hmm. Spent most of his time in the NABBA. Was a, uh, a NABBA Mr. Universe. Yeah, Mr. Universe, Mr. World. Uh, yeah, there's lots of uh, titles he won there. But yeah, a, of, a long, uh, long uh, career span, I think. Massive uh, career span. So yeah. many shows. So like, many. So many shows in Australia. Like mm. just when you see mm. the actual, mm. he sends through the email of the shows. He's actually lost count of them all. Yeah. But he's doing... He's, these know, are the ones I could remember, he said. Perfect example of someone who is... A bodybuilder. Yeah. Yeah. Eats, lives, and breathes it. So we're really excited to have him on. In the crosshairs for a while, Tommy, he he, he had spoken to me a little while ago, and um, and then just the wheels of the podcast moved slowly, but we eventually uh, got him in the studio, and uh, and there was some apprehension in that, would we, because he's a Maltese Maltese extraction, uh, extraction. (laughs) and sometimes it's a little thick Mm. when he gets, uh, gets a little enthused to talking about something, and he, and he starts talking a little faster, you know, sort of, but anyway, it all, when when we got him in, he was, he was clear, uh, spoke well, and uh, Mm. we, actually we couldn't, uh, it was hard to wrap the interview up. He, yeah. had, he had a lot more to give. He had more to give. He had a lot more to give. Yeah, we might get him in again, actually, because we yeah. we looked at, I guess, the bodybuilding mm. side of things, and mm. he's got some specific steps that he does in the bodybuilding prep. Yep. It's quite systematic, and he'll mm-hmm. go through all of that. Mm-hmm. But then there's the other arm of what he does, Rorden, and he's very good on the PT business side of things, and I think that might be worth exploring at some stage also. Yeah, another, another passion of his is just, uh, you know, business and, and, and making business profitable. And he's worked with a lot of... Uh, some of the more successful um, coaches in the industry, but he's uh, been involved with those uh, at various points along their careers as well. So something he's really passionate about um, developing a PT business. But mm. uh, yeah, we might get him in another time. But but this one was all uh, a bit of an, uh, an insight into what goes on behind the scenes with physique prep uh, in his world. Yeah, look, and I haven't heard someone talk about it in such detail. Like he's got some... Yeah. Oof some systems built into what he does yeah. which is very inspiring he'll go through all of that and it's interesting the different approaches you can take towards compliance now charlie's you know he he can go in and sit down with someone with the partner in the family in the yep. kitchen home and go through the cupboards clean yes. those out go yep. through the checkbook and say right mm. do you actually have enough money to get us mm. to the finish line mm. without mm. causing mm. any you know stress yes any additional stress yep. uh, girlfriend partner wife are you comfortable with what's yep. going to go on here? Yep. Blah, 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 blah. So yep. it's a, a wonderful approach that he Very takes. Very comprehensive. Very comprehensive. Yeah. Obviously, working with the general population, it's a bit yeah. of a different story, Rod. And like for competitors and for coaches and PTs, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, training and nutrition is our highest value. So we, we've we built an existence around that. And our day is structured around our training and our yep. nutrition and mm. that all flows. For people, general pop, who come in, their highest value will be business Mm, or it will be mm, family mm, mm, or mm, something else. mm. So we've got to sort of accommodate that Mm. and build a a training, nutrition, lifestyle plan that can actually uh, around that and also acknowledge and realize that when the pressure's on, the first thing that's going to be flipped to the wayside is going to be the training nutrition because it's not as high on the values as their business or family. So those are the things that you deal with. Now for you, 
You're having none of that. No. Do you want to just no, rattle off a few bullet, <laughs> po- <laughs> bullet points when yeah, someone look, actually wants to sign up and start uh-huh. training with you? Uh-huh. What's the? F- well, it's a process, Tom. Do you sit down and nurture them through a lead process and well, get them into your business model? Yeah, and talk <laughs> about goals and all that sort of stuff. No, no, no not, not quite, Tom. Not yeah. quite. But I have a... Uh, basically, the process will be some communication back and forth. Then usually if they're local, I'll get them in just to chat with them face-to-face. Coffee or... I mean, excuse to have a coffee. Yeah. I usually make them pay. Uh, but I'll have a coffee with them, explain face-to-face what it's like. And then what I'll do is follow up that, uh, that uh, I guess, face-to-face consultation. Obviously, I don't charge them for that. It's just uh, chatting about what will be involved in the process. And then I shoot an email through, breaking everything down in, uh, in finite detail. And it's a very, very specific email, Tom. <laughs> yeah. There's some bullet points that I... I obviously list what I do. So these are all the things that I'm going to do. And yeah. there's... You know, an extensive list of things that that I will do on a weekly basis, and there are obviously various things along the, my week that I won't delve into right now. But there are built-in uh, things that I do to uh, help compliance. But even before they they get to that, uh, the world of the Dubois method, you know, they have to uh, jump through various hoops. Yeah. Uh, and you know, the funny thing is, Tom, uh, this will either uh, send them scurrying, where I'll never get an email or ever hear from them, and, and they'll avoid me at all costs whenever they see me out, or yes. or it'll be exactly what they are looking for with immense detail and they're like yep okay that's exactly what i want i'll sign up take mm-hmm. my money yeah so it's going to go one of two ways and and it doesn't work for everyone and the email says that it says hey like this probably it's either going to be the work for you or it's not and there's yeah. no issues with that i don't have any problems if you never talk to me again but uh yeah you know feel free to email me let me know what you're thinking but um but yeah i can rattle through a couple of points if you yeah, like yeah. you want to get a bit of an idea tom yeah i'm going to squint ma- my ma- eyes ma- ma- maybe you you're thinking of signing up and uh doing a prep and <laughs> or, or maybe cam is he's yeah. got his pen and paper out yeah right so all right so i start off by um the, uh, so these are bullet points and, mm-hmm. and i say you know as mentioned above my methods require very specific compliance mm-hmm. from all tdm athletes and before working with me every new tdm athlete will need to commit 100 percent to the following time so okay. not have a listen it's, it's like no. no these are what you need to commit to but non-negotiables again, non- well actually at the end of each it says non-negotiables right. so yeah you're right <laughs> yeah uh, okay so the athlete will need to commit 100 percent to the process for the duration of the competition or photo shoot preparation exclusively with no deviations to day-to-day routine e.g no holidays or significant changes of routine non-negotiable mm-hmm. the athlete must be that's not too bad that's fair enough the athlete must be of suitable body fat starting percent uh, approximately 10 percent on the skin folds for males and 12 to 14 for females non-negotiable yep okay so there i'm not going to get them and do a cutting phase initially basically they're ready to go build muscle mass whatever they need to do to be competitive and then obviously have different time frames based on what they need to do yep but that's again, that's pretty reasonable. Mm-hmm. The athlete must have no underlying health concerns. Uh, in brackets, uh, TDM prep is very stressful and optimal health is required, non-negotiable. That's fair enough. Fair enough. The athlete must get a list of blood work done before they start the preparation. Again, TDM prep is quite stressful, non-negotiable. Fair, fair enough. enough. The athlete must uh, get an echo stress test and ECG cardiovascular assessment done before the start of the prep. Again, TDM prep or any prep is stressful and optimal health is required, non-negotiable. So they're all signing off on mm-hmm. uh, blood work and pathology work at just the base level to, yep. so they can undergo the, the rigors of a comp prep. That's wise. The athlete must be able to train Monday to Saturday every week. I currently use a seven-day rotation for all athletes during the final phase. Uh, so you have to go seven days right at the end, non-negotiable. So you need to be able to commit to six days of training a week, seven days in the final phase. Um, obviously, it's subject to change, but that's generally how I program. Yep. So they get an idea of the type of training volume they're going to do. Mm-hmm. 
The athlete must be able to train at the same time every day. The athlete will need to nominate the two-hour time of day to train, non-negotiable. So they need now they're getting a little bit of an idea that things have to be pretty static day to day. Yeah. The athlete must eat all meals at the same time every day, including weekends. Athletes will nominate any times of the day they can't eat, so they give me the information, but that's non-negotiable. So basically, once the nutrition plan is set up, that's what you're following every day. So yep. there's no, hey, I'm going to eat at 9, 7 a.m. the next day, 6 a.m. Uh, no, so same time every day. Yeah, okay. The athlete must wake up at the same time every day, including the weekends. Mm -hmm. Athlete will nominate time of the day to wake up. The athlete must go to bed at the same time every day, okay? So wake up, bedtime, the same. The athlete must be getting minimum seven to eight hours of quality sleep per night, non-negotiable. The athlete must be structurally sound, possessing the necessary aesthetics for physique competition stage. Ultimately, is a physique competition where balance and symmetry are judged, non-negotiable. I.e., yeah. if you don't have the aesthetics, don't do a, <laughs> don't do a, don't comp. Do a comp prep. Yep. You know, maybe a photo shoot or something. Yep. Again, making them realize what the the end goal actually is. Yes. And I'm just being honest with them. You know, yes. I think a lot of coaches will just take their money. Yeah. I'm just trying to give them a clear um, idea of what's actually evolved and what the final end goal is. Mm -hmm. The athlete must have a good training age slash gym experience and know how to train hard, e.g. no beginners, no non-negotiable. Yep. Fair, Fair enough. enough. Being they done that, they injure themselves and then they can't prep. Yep. The athlete must be, and, and that's not my skill set, Tommy. I'm not going to do prehab, rehab, nah, or any of that type of stuff. It's just pure hypertrophy. Come in, bang, yep. train. Yep. yep. Okay. The athlete must be injury-free, must be able to move through squat, deadlift, and bench press movement patterns efficiently and without pain. Yep. I do not rehab any athletes. If you become injured, the prep will stop. Non-negotiable. Yeah. An athlete must have relatively low, manageable day-to-day -day stress levels and appropriate lifestyle. Excessive stress will not allow an effective TDM prep. Non-negotiable. Okay, so they can't be highly stressed before they start. Yep. Because the prep is going to put X amount of stress uh, on them. So obviously it makes sense. Again, remember, I'm trying to get the best out of the guys and girls I work with. So yes. this is a checklist for them. Uh, the athlete must uh, take the specific recommended day-to-day and training supplements as per my list. I'll provide specific iHerb links with exact supplements to be used. Again, standardizing it across the board. The athlete must follow all PED recommendations. If you tend to use PEDs, their use being 100% the athlete's decision and responsibility, legal or otherwise, non-negotiable. So basically that is, it's for a particular federation that there are no testing. If they are yep. going to use it, that's cool. Use it, but they're under my guidance and recommendations, yep. for which I accept no responsibility. <laughs> the athlete must eat all nutrition as per the plans every day. Again, the athlete would advise any food they do not or, or, or don't want to eat. So anything they're allergic to or just don't like eating, I won't include that in nutrition, but yep. they uh, but they have to eat all the nutrition once it's designed. Yep. Uh, the athlete must not eat any meals off plan, including uh, no alcohol, no cheap meals or diet drinks. So I do not program regular cheap meals except on special occasions, non-negotiable. And it's by request as well. So if you want a cheap meal, that's cool. I'll give you one. If Submit if a form, can. send it through to your secretary, <laughs> and then we'll see. We'll talk about it. That's right. That's right. The athlete must be able to eat a variety of animal and seafood protein sources. I do not coach any athlete who chooses any form of vegetarian nutrition, non-negotiable. The athlete must have access to a Fitbit or similar to track day-to-day -day activity or any AT, off-season and on-season. Sending activity reports to me every day, non-negotiable. Yep. The athlete must send weekly update report with progress picks every Sunday, non-negotiable. The athlete must use update the TDM hypertrophy-specific training program every session in the gym via Excel and Dropbox, non-negotiable. Mm -hmm. The athlete must train very hard, 90 to 120 minute duration, resistance session, uh, six to seven days per week throughout your full preparation as per the program guidelines. 
This does not include any cardio training, non-negotiable. Yeah. The athlete must be financially able to commit to all associated costs of prep, all supplements, PEDs if required, food, weekly coaching with me, etc. Non-negotiable. Yeah. And finally, the must. The athlete must consent to the use of progress, competition stage or photo shoot photos by the Dubai method. Obviously, photos that they nominate are okay to use on either Instagram or Facebook. So, again, a, a little bit of a, a, a bullet point list, but none of those were I mean, really... That's quite reasonable. Yeah, yeah, really unreasonable. And remember, the, the reality is they're, they're coming to me to, you know, theoretically get that, that level of... I mean, that's all they're paying me for, Tom. It's yes. not like... Uh, you know, can we work together and, and see how we go, get ready for stages? Like, no, I want to pay you to get me exclusively ready and be competitive as competitive as I can be on the competition stage. So yeah. if that is the case, yeah, I sort of uh, preface everything with that. Um, and yeah, like if they then start up, then I know at the very least they're, you know, going to be pretty compliant, injury-free, no yeah. health concerns, relatively low stress, can financially commit. So all those... Typical things, and I think Charlie, you know, girl goes into some of these with with what he talks about. Yes, he does. Um, and again, yeah, that's something that I think is really important for physique uh, preparation uh, specifically. Yeah. I think it's, it's, yeah. it's really relevant. No, mate, that's actually quite reasonable, and uh, I think fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. It's funny though. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's go and have a chat to uh, Charlie Duca. Mm-hmm. You know, really enjoy this him one. Back. Yeah. All right, here we are on Under the Bar podcast. The program. It's very exciting. We've got some, uh, from an Australian perspective, we've got mm. some bodybuilding royalty yes. in the studio at the moment. Lots of people out there might not have heard too much about Charlie Duca because there's no big flashy website. There's not a no. lot of online presence. But It's if, underground. If you look at the track record of success, it's well, um, impressive. Well, well, why don't we just rattle off a few of his... Uh, his stats. Um, I, I mean, you'd be hard pressed to find anyone in a in Australia that's uh, come anywhere close to this. But uh, eight never Mr. Universes, seven uh, top sixes, four never Mr. Worlds, three overall, one third, two Southern Hampshire's, one overall, one second there. Country Classic Open first place, and IFBB Pro competing in four Grand Prix. So is, is is that an, is that worthy enough for the uh, the Millennium Noggin to get him in the studio? What do you think, Tommy? I think that's absolutely well and truly worthy. Charlie Duca, welcome to the studio, mate, and thank you for your time. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. <laughs> now, when we look at that, Charlie, it's a lifetime of absorption in bodybuilding. You yeah. started. You actually started prepping your first client like 25 years ago. Mm. So it's it's been a um, a lifelong journey for you. What drove you to get into yeah. the sport in the and, first place? And also, Charlie, uh, how old? I'm I'm curious because it gets yeah. younger and younger when we interview these guys. How old were you when you first started, mate? <coughs> when I first started, uh, I was doing martial arts, and uh, back then there was all those movies, blood sports, you know. Yeah. You know? And yeah. my dream was to compete in, a, in Europe in a big tournament, you know, martial arts tournament. So I was mixing Shotokan with a Taekwondo. Yep. And then I did my second tournament, basically. I won the tournament, but I dislocated my hip. So because I couldn't train, I went to a gym to train, you know, with weights. I never did weights before. Yeah. And uh, basically, once I walked in, I sort of got hooked. Yeah. I mean, actually, I'm lying. I did one workout. I got so sore and <laughs> I didn't go back for about three or four months. Oh, really? And then I was walking outside the gym and the gym owner was in the window. He called me in and I just got inside and then I just, you know, I just basically I just started. And how old then? 
Yeah, I was 18 years old. When 18. I got oh, a late bloomer, mate. A late yeah. bloomer. Late bloomer. And uh, tell me, uh, Charlie, did you, obviously, uh, anyone that's listening will know that you're a type of physique that you possess. And if you, if anyone doesn't, just chuck a chuck a uh, Google search for uh, Charlie Duker and see what comes up. Obviously, uh, a lot of uh, good genetics there and aesthetics before you actually stepped into that gym and... and scurried away with the tail between the legs for, for four months until he came back where there's shape potential there did you did you know that uh, what was lurking beneath or um, did it all manifest after you started training when I when I stopped competing I started to look back and I started looking at you know how come I did what I did you know what I mean and uh, I think one of my main assets is that I'm a very quick learner and I take advice yeah I was lucky when I went to the gym, maybe three or four weeks later, I saw this bodybuilder in the gym who was yeah. you know, quite good, you know, basically. Yeah. And I used to sit on a wooden box and I just see him train and then I just go and copy. Back then yeah. there was no internet, you know, no personal trainers. Yeah. But I got his attention after a few weeks and he approached me and he goes, I'll train, you know, if you want to train together, we can train together. Back then it was a big thing because this guy trained by himself. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean, basically, yep. and um, it was good because he teached me all the basic. So whatever he achieved in his lifetime, he gave it to me in a few months. Yeah, that's mean, amazing. Yeah, very old school. Like you doing, you know, you, when you train, basically you just face the wall yeah, yeah. most of the time. And you know, I'm I'm not quite as. Uh haven't been in the game as long as uh, you, Charlie, but but back in the day, it was just bodybuilders. And, and, you know, they didn't really, if you weren't one of them, one of their crew, it, it's to have someone take the under their wing like that is a, is a, is a big deal to actually mm. come into their world. So uh, that's amazing, Charlie. And uh, It goes both ways because you have to show him respect. Yeah, exactly. In, in those days, either do what, you, what you've told or basically, you know, the contract is done. Done. Yeah. 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 Was this in Australia, Charlie, or... Malta. No, but it was a Malta basically. This yeah. guy he was we talk about he was five foot three. Yeah right. You mean he was as you know, as thick as you can imagine, you mean <laughs> basically like you know yeah. he the amazing thing about him, he learned everything by himself. Yeah. I mean he never got a magazine, he never yeah. read any articles. Yeah. But yet he was doing negatives, he was doing slow motion, he yeah. was mixing things up. Yeah. And then the one thing that he showed, he told me from the beginning, which you know stayed in my head. Yeah. He goes, you know, there's going to be 20 people on stage, but you only compete against four. Yeah. Because in those 20 people, most of them, they're going to either screw up or they don't have the genetics or anything. So you got, you know, from 20, maybe you've got four and you only judged on a certain amount of poses. So it's irrelevant what you do. Yeah. You have to get your physique according to those seven, eight composite poses. Yeah, yeah. And, and we'll probably go into this a little bit with your, uh, mm. when we go into training, Charlie. But one of the things we actually spoke about the other day uh, with certain exercises, he will design the exercises so the movements actually emulate, like the side chest, for example, who do it like a dragging bicep curl because this is how you hold your, mm. uh, your arm in a side chest pose, which is, which is really awesome. We'll, we'll, we'll cover some of that stuff uh, coming up. Yeah, that's great. Where are we going to go, Tommy? So if that was 18 when you started training, Charlie... And what year? Do you remember what year that was? Just to mm-hmm. give a put perspective to our listeners. Nin- uh, 1987. <laughs> 87. And so when did you do your first comp? It was quite part of bodybuilding. When you go in the gym, after a few months, they put you on stage. Yeah. And it was called make or break. So you either like it or you don't like yeah. it. Uh, when I went on stage the first time, I liked it. When I won the nationals, <laughs> that's when I said no more. Really? And then something happened basically and got me back into bodybuilding. Okay. But after my first nationals, I just gave up. 
Really? Yep. So 87, you started training, and then how, how soon after that did you actually get on the competition stage? So well, I've joined the gym about March 1987. I was on stage on August 1987. <laughs> 19, <laughs> 1989, I won the AFBB Juniors on the overall. There you go, two years yeah. later. Okay. It, it's funny, Charlie, like uh, when you talk about back in the day, there might be 20 on stage, but four you have Fo- to beat. Focus like, on four, yeah. Even just in the time that I've, uh, uh, probably the first comp I went to would have been maybe eight or nine years ago, oh, maybe. That, that lovely was, first comp. And you I went couldn't to. wait to get out of there. Um, but. It's changed so much, even in that span of time. Like the the expansion of the mm. of the sport, particularly more more. With, with, with the physique categories now, and like yeah. there's, it's more accessible to to people. Have you seen the the sport evolve and change? There's a good thing and there's a bad thing. The good thing is that there's more shows, so yep. you can afford to experiment more and learn how to pick better. The bad thing is you can avoid competition. Like before when I was competing, there was only, you know, three competitions. There was the IFBB World Championships, there was the European Championship, the World Championship, and the Universe. So there was nowhere to go. So every single person, you know I mean, he's going to go for the Universe. Yeah, now right this yeah. was the problem. Some people, they get burned out before they get there. Because if you put all your energy to internationals to qualify for the Universe, Interesting. I mean, and basically mentally you're depleted then for the universe you've got no chance so you need to sort of find a way how to win your nationals with enough energy you know what I mean basically behind you just to go for the universe yeah right and how, how long would they be between the two shows like months or weeks or that's another thing before the promoters and the you know presidents of the federations, they always had back in their mind the competitor. Yes. So they organized the show before the universe one or two weeks, you know, in between. Nowadays, you've got between a national show, international show, sometimes a whole month. Okay. Which basically it sounds very expensive. It's quite very draining. Yeah, yeah. It's a whole month to uh, to stay in shape. Mm. The amount of shows that you've actually done, Charlie, over that span of time to actually not burn out and be able to do everything you've done. I mean, it, it, it speaks to volumes of how you've just adopted mm. this as an actual lifestyle. Mm. And um, I think if we start to move now into how you're actually running your business and what you do with comp prep, it's 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 a full-time, all-encompassing all approach. So you've got three specific steps, phases that you use in a comp prep. Before we get to those, mm. what does an off-season look like? And what before you even consider moving someone into the prep phase one, where are they going to be? And that's what's burgers and uh, chilling out, getting fat. That's what the off season's for. That's partying. Yeah. Mykonos going over there. Yeah. If I have to go back, what I did wrong, I don't believe anymore in an off season. Okay. Basically, I you know I used to look forward for off season to make it grow. Nowadays, if I look back, I think one of it's one of the setbacks. Because if you think about it, people competing, they will understand that the closer you get to the show, the more you get excited. Yes. And the more you get excited, the more you stay strict and you stay focused. Yep. When you've got 12 months to compete, you tend to lower things down. And I'll give you a small example. When I compete, I'm a big believer of you know, BCAAs. Yes. And I always know that the absorption of powder is way much better than capsules. But in the off-season, I start to get away from using powder because I don't like the taste. Yes. But getting closer to a show, there is no way I'm not going to use powder, I'm going to use capsules. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, so I think if I have to go back, which I cannot, I think I will make my shows even closer to each other, like, you know, basically mentally, physically, financially, I will recover, and then I just go again. 
Yeah. Then I set myself one year to get bigger. Because yeah. bench press is bench press. It's behind what you do, what, behind what you're thinking when you're laying on the bench. Yeah. And that makes your chest grow. Interesting. And, and I remember we had, uh, we've had Milo Sarchev on the, the program uh, way back in the day, Tommy, if you mm, recall that, that one. That was and, a long uh, time ago, yeah. And he, uh, he's known for doing show from back to back to back to back to back. And, and his philosophy was he used them to improve each time. He, he, you know, learn what he did for the last show, tweak it, get it better, do the next show, tweak it, get it better. And he was always striving for the perfect comp prep. But he, he actually saw advantages in, in more frequent competing. What are your thoughts on that um, before we get into the nitty-gritty of the off-season? What are your thoughts on um, doing, obviously, from, like you said, a, 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 a perfecting peaking and stuff like that? It would be advantageous, but is there something to be said for the psychology behind you know, getting up repeatedly? Is it, is it take a different mindset or benefits, pros, cons? Definitely, it gives you an advantage. I mean, be before you couldn't do it because there was only like a couple of shows, so you couldn't yeah. do it. But nowadays, it can be done. I mean, you got to understand, you know, that, you know, every show is going to put sort of pressure on you, like, you know, physically yep. and even, you know, financially. Yeah. So you got to understand that you not put yourself in a situation that, you know, you look back after a few months and you put yourself in a hole that it takes you a couple of years to get out of it. Yeah. You know I mean, yeah, but yeah. if you can, if you can back show after show after show when you make a good planning, I think every show, it's, it's an experience, basically. Yeah. I mean, you can fine tune everything, you can fine tune, like, you know. Even just contest color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so your thoughts there would be, um, if you can financially afford it, sustain it, your lifestyle, then then more shows would arguably be better. Yeah, definitely. All right, cool, cool, cool. All right, well, let's uh, maybe delve into the world of uh, off season. I mean, you mentioned mm. that before we get into those uh, specific phases coming into the show. We'll start that in a second. But what does an off season look like? Are you looking at what the obviously the time frame would be would influence that? How long they actually have? Uh, but are they looking at uh, working on body parts specific? Do you, you, do you structure the off-season working on parts of the body? Like how, how do you get the most out of your off-season? And, uh, and maybe a, a little bit of an insight into what you feel body comp should be in the off-season. Is there merit to blowing out and putting a ton of mass on to try and gain some additional few kilos? Or do you like to keep your athletes? Or, or should the, jet, the guys and girls listening keep it pretty tight in the off-season as well? Look, if you find the perfect client... Right, basically, I think the best thing to do, you know, just give your four points, which basically is the training, is the nutrition, you got the supplement, and then you've got the gear. Yeah. You got those four points. Now, when it comes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. when it spade comes, spade. yeah, when it comes to training, you know, there's two things that you got to keep in mind. I mean that basically you're being judged on eight compulsory poses, yep. and that you got weaknesses you need to fix. Yes. So by working on those two, you're. Your idea is to get the best photos of the last show and you need to improve on that package. Right, right. I mean, right, that's right, the whole right. thing. And you start to analyze your whole, the whole picture of all the compulsory poses and try to make them perfect. Okay. And what I mean by perfect is, you know, you have to look like, for example, you know, if the hamstrings are big enough, or you even have to look about the separation between the quads and the hemis. Yeah. I mean, and you just work. So you pick up one body part, one body part, you know I mean, and just work according to the compulsory poses. Okay. But always, always, you just start and give the emphasis on the back. Yeah, yeah. So you when this. you when you structure your when you structure your workout, normally it takes to, to do my own workout when I was competing. It took me about one week. I don't believe to go to the gym while you're training. You experiment. You go to the gym just to put intensity and to, to grow. There's a time when you go to the gym to experiment, do your homework. Normally it will be Sunday, 
and then there's a time when you follow your plan. But try to experiment while you're following your plan. It's like eating spaghetti and ice cream at the same time. You can do it, right. but does it work? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, yeah. when you're dieting, uh, yeah. spaghetti and ice cream is probably So basically, good. you got compu- seven compulsory poses, eight compulsory poses, and you know what the judges are looking for. You need to have small waist, you know, flared legs, good separation. You start to work on that one. Now, what I always believed in is that I mimic the exercises according to seven yeah. compulsory poses. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, basically, you know, you know you're going to do a double bicep back. And it's not just how big your arms are, it's the detail on your arms from behind and the front. Yes. So in order to go that, to that one, you need to develop every single head of the triceps equally. Yes. So when you double, double bicep back, your arms, they don't deflate, but they look bigger. Yeah. Some people, they just happen because they have good genetics. Some people, they have to work on it. Okay. Now, how, how do you know which exercise is which? Because mechanically, we're all different. So what you do, you try to an experiment, you say, okay, I need to improve my outer head of the triceps. So you pick up the exercise, for example, you think it's the best one for you, you go in the gym, do something between 10, 15 sets on that exercise, wait the next day and you see where the soreness is. Yeah. Now, if you get sore on that specific area, yeah. that means it's your exercise. If it doesn't, you need to change. Very once, cool. Once you find it, that exercise will stay with you for the whole one year. Right, right, So once, right. You, once you find the angle that you need, you will never change angle. It takes yeah. you maybe one week a bit more to find the angles. Once you find the angle that works, you will never change the angle. What you would have to change to grow is always the intensity. Yeah. Mm. Or, or intensity and volume, yeah. Yeah. It can be volume, it can be the tempo, it can yeah. be you know, go yeah. heavy, yeah. half yeah. reps, partial, it can yeah. be anything. But if, for example, from your experience, you understand that doing hex squat feet close together is going to improve the outer sweep of the tie, then that specific feet together it have to stay for one year yes i mean it's useless to go wider because you just realize that's close yeah, stance. yeah i love it's it your, man. it's the so way good. to go yeah but then how are you going to get growth if you always go overload the body is going to adapt to it you know but you you get growth by just keep changing the intensity mm-hmm. i mean that's basically the way it was always simple it always works now when you look at weak body parts in same thing, you need to look back and just give an example and you say, my quads are weak. Hmm. And the question is how long they've been weak? And maybe say the last two or three years they've been weak. And what you've been doing? I've been squatting. So it's quite logic. Clearly. If you're going to squat for the next one year, there's a big chance yeah. they're not going to improve anymore. Exactly. I mean, so then you start to experiment with the legs, funnily enough, because it's the easiest muscle to improve. Because technically when we say upper body, we divide the upper body into chest, back, yeah, shoulders, yeah, yeah. biceps, triceps. When we say legs, we say quads. Mm. But quads is not a muscle. Quads is a group of muscles. Mm. And because, you know, basically you got a hip joint which moves different angles, you can use a different angle just to stimulate the leg muscles. Mm. Maybe you're not very good in squatting to stimulate the legs, but maybe you can stimulate the legs by doing abductor and adductor. Unless you try them, you can never basically tell if it's going to work good for you or not. That's awesome, and and, and I love that from a, a bodybuilding perspective. You know, <coughs> we're, we're a demographic where we can get on the yes no machine at the fitness first and actually utilize it to add growth because we just want growth around the you know the, the groin region, mm. region for hitting our you know when we do our uh, front double bar, back double bar, or, or you know hamstring shots in, in in the back. I just think it's um you know a lot of a, a lot of us. You know, tend not to. No, no, that's a stupid exercise. Don't do that. You know, you got, you got to squat. You know, squat. Squatting's gonna get legs big. Squat. Where 
squats it's one of those exercises which basically you know it creates a lot of question marks some people they can squat and they get the legs bigger that means that those type of people they can get the legs bigger at whatever they do yeah some people they just do squats and doesn't nothing happen then you have to ask the question why when someone squats, you have to stop and think after you finish your set what happened most people after they finish squat either they run out of breath so they can breathe so technically it's not the, it's not the quads that they got yeah. tired they don't have the stamina or the lower back start aching that's yes. why they stopped yes so in, while doing squatting the quad muscle is not taking yeah, full yeah, punishment yeah, yeah. Mm. because you stop because of your lower back now if you want to still squat which is a good a great exercise it will be good to squat after doing adductors because you know if you're doing the adductor machine the adductors are getting tired then you're going to squat then the adductors you know they have to keep up with the fresh muscles in the quads and they have to work out double yeah. The result is the inner thigh, you know, get double stimulation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a sort of and like a, a pre-fatigue, you know, system. Quad, so, quad work a bit harder too. Yeah, so Charlie, if you've, uh, someone comes on board and you have a look at their eight photos of their poses from last comp and think, okay, this is what I need to do with them, do you then take them into the gym for a week and experiment? Okay, this muscle here, we're going to do our 10 to 15 sets. Let's see how you saw, <coughs> or do you get them to do that on their own, or how, how do you... Get with, the detail with a client. Normally, we do just one session, and I don't say nothing, and I just observe. I mean, you observe a lot of things. You observe mm. most important things. I would hate thing. that one. Yeah. <laughs> you observe most of things. His character. Some yeah. people they go to hard to train hard. Some people they don't train as hard. The ones that they train hard have a tendency to overtrain. Overtrain. So your key is to pull him back. It's easier said than done because everyone responds to a different type of. Well, things. Yeah. Mm. Some people, when you direct with him, he'll just take a step back. He doesn't like it. He goes behind your back. So you have to, yeah. you know, wax him a bit to take him your way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, you get it by time. As you said before, my first client was 1993, basically, you know, who won the nationals. So by time, you start to learn and understand how each client works. Yeah. And you, instead, you have one template. Then you start to use certain keywords with certain clients yeah. just to keep them motivated. Yeah. You got to understand from 20 clients. Maybe you got three of them that they want to win. Mm-hmm. The other 17, they just want to be on stage. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. your goal is just to make them go on stage. Mm. You mean, you know, yeah, some yeah, of them, yeah. they got, you know, other priorities in life. Yeah. As long as they go on stage, that's their dream. Mm. Yeah. So you need to understand how much you're going to push. Now, when you do the first session with your client, you have to check about, you know, one of the most important things for me is flexibility. Yeah. When, the, when the muscle is tight, it, will, it can never grow. And this is one of, one of the problems. You got some people come to see you and the shoulders are so tight. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how good, much good they're going to take. They were never going to grow. Yeah. There's no much blood flow. There's not much tension. Yeah. Unfortunately, most people, they hate to do the work. They just want to go in the gym and train. Mm, yeah. You mean? And it's quite hard because to, to find someone that understands it and apply it, it's quite, you know, it's quite really hard. You know and, I mean? and, and, and just to jump in there and uh, give a bit of an insight, I mean, even the, the best of the best have uh, can be better. I know um, our listeners would be, a lot would be familiar with Aaron Pilates, who, who, who worked with you uh, and, and uh, when he t- got his pro card last year. And uh, one of the things that we spoke about uh, uh, with one of our chats was the fact that you wanted to get... Um, Aaron's midsection much smaller, so you gave him a, you gave him a series of exercises to actually uh, movements and, and mobility drills, because I think the other issue was he, he couldn't even uh, twist his torso to get into, you know, side chest, side tricep. He had issues, so you had to actually, outside of training, work on his flexibility and and 
and gave him some voodoo exercises to magically reduce his uh, tight his midsection. But it was the the tightest you know I'd seen his midsection ever. So it was obviously. And normally I don't like to mention him, but to mention Ellen, but Ellen is an example of basically he's hungry. Yeah. So whatever mm. you give him, once he understands it, it's a question of holding him back rather than make him do yeah, it. Right, because right, he right. happened to overdo it. Yeah. But that's the type of client you want just, you know, because you're gonna move forward. Yeah. You mean you don't have to repeat yourself you know, over and over and over again. Yeah. You mean basically so you, you you remember Aaron from yes, uh, from uh, yeah. Queensland. Had a million questions up there. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's uh, crazy physique. Okay, so that's uh, so uh, you've done the first session. You've Just observed. One thing, one thing to mention, because we said about weaknesses. The same thing with weaknesses. You need to address them, you know, separately. If you want to improve your bicep more than your triceps, then you have to ask the question: How I'm going to give it priority? How I'm going to make it yeah. improve more? Yeah. If you give it the same intensity as you're doing triceps for the last couple of years, they're going to grow the same. Yeah. And if your triceps overpower the biceps, by next year the triceps will overpower the biceps. Yes. So there's a few things that you need to understand, you need to do. Definitely. I don't like using scales to measure my progress in the off-season. I prefer like the old school to measure, use measuring tape. Okay. It's about volume. Yeah, right, okay. You mean, so the key is, is to get the, b- the biggest pump in your arms as possible. Yeah. And the old days, we used to run with the measuring tape in the gym, and you get yeah, a right. pump and you just, you know, measure them up. <laughs> cool. <laughs> but because it was all about the builders, everyone yeah. understand, you know, what we're doing. We do it now in the gym, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but how goes that? Like, uh, I mean, we if, if if we were to sort of uh, quiz about prioritizing body parts, we would not rational, but evidence based. Oh yeah, you need to apply this and that, and, and cut back on this. But but Charlie's just pretty much said the same thing in, in a simplistic term, and, mm. and then just used the tape measure to uh, check progression. Yeah. I, I, I love that man. It's. Uh, I went. I went from a point. At, you know, when I had someone to guide me at the beginning, I was doing something like twenty-eight sets on triceps. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, your triceps are pretty big. Yeah, but uh, I went from like you know doing something like 12 up to 28. Mm. Give them a good shock, and then you just go back to 12 again. And then but maintain, when you're yeah. doing 28 sets, your triceps they don't grow. When you go back down to 12, then that's they when, start growing. That's when they start growing. Fascinating. Okay, so uh, that first session, you find out what exercises you get the most bang for the buck, and then that is the ex- your go-to exercises for different parts of the body. Um, why don't we talk about uh, the nutritional side of things? So that's the, the, the off-season bringing up body parts. Where do you... Uh, the nutrition was the next uh, component that you spoke about. Mm. Let's talk about um, do you like the athletes to stay in pretty... Uh, again, to use an example, Aaron stays in pretty good shape uh, in his off-season coming into on-season. Like, what do you, what do you, what are your guidelines there? It's up, it's up to the individual. I don't push them to do anything. I mean, basically in the off-season, with, when it comes to food, I lowered the amount of protein down to about 2.2 grams because there was so much carbs going in. Yep. You don't need that much you know, protein. I keep the fat about you know, over 1.2 kilos per body weight. You needed yep. that amount of fat you know, just to stay healthy and get the body recovered. Okay. With the carbs, you find someone who wants to do it the right way and not let go. The key is to increase the carbs very slowly. So technically, I give you a number. You're having 400 grams of carbs every day. Yep. And once the body starts to respond and you feel hungry, then you go up to 450. Yeah. You just stay there. And then when the Buddha gets hungry again, it's an indication it's a bit more. And the idea behind it is, when you eat so much food, if your body cannot break it down and absorb the nutrients and the glycogen inside the muscle, it's going to get stored as fat. Yeah. So you, you wait until your body tells you that needs more. 
When the body says I need more, then you just give them a bit more and just a bit more. You only go by about 30 grams, 50 grams each time. Yeah. Divided by five meals, that's you no know, one tablespoon of rice extra. Yeah, yeah. But you go up slowly, slowly, slowly. The key, what you have to do, you try to increase as much carbs as possible before you start your contest prep. Yes. If you start high and you cut down by 50%, you save a lot of carbs in. If you start low and you cut down by 50%, you end up starving. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to supplementation in the off-season, it will change as well. I don't use BCAAs, I don't use aminos, basically, you know. The only thing I focus most is, is like, you know, a good multivitamin, quite a bit of amount of B-complex, and as much antioxidants as possible. So, you know, the more, the more focus I put in the off-season with supplements, is mostly just antioxidants okay what's the theory there Charlie because when you train you break down muscle fibers right and you know, even you, you bump into something you get bruised you know what I mean and you got all that wastage in the blood and it just keeps flowing in the blood and then basically goes in the liver and just goes out, out as waste now whatever doesn't go out it starts to trap itself between the joints and that's what cre- creates inflammation and restriction of movement now antioxidants they're very good you know scavengers basically of uh, free radicals. Yeah. So the more antioxidants you use, the cleaner, you know, the healthier the body. Less the, inflammation. Yeah. Mm. And you got, you know, the liver is working better. I, I like to use like a lot of like, you know, like cysteine, methionine, L-carnitine, just to keep the, the liver clean. Okay. High amount of water. So the, the, the cleaner the liver, the more it can do its job. As, you know, the liver basically is the filter. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. if the filter is clogged, then you're gonna have a bit of a problem. Yeah, and especially if you're about to embark on a, you know, an in-season or on-season com- competition prep, you, you want to make sure all the the plumbing machinery is working good before you start. Yeah. yeah, and I guess as you um, as you get heavier in the off-season and the the calories increase, it's just more and more stress on yeah. all of the organs of the body to yeah. keep uh, keep processing everything. Yeah. With the, the increase in the carbs, Charlie, is that when the body starts to get hungry and need a bit more, is that just uh, relative to the increase in scale weight and mass and, and a bit of lean muscle tissue, or is the, the training volume going up? What's driving that uh, increase? It can, be, it can be anything. It can be a simple fact that the body needs more calories just to maintain itself. I mean, yeah. the colder the weather, the more calories you need to keep yourself warm. Yeah. You know, your core temperature has to stay the same. Yeah. And when you're exposed wearing a t-shirt and a shorts working in the city, you mean you have to fight that coldness coming from the outside yeah. and that's all energy just to keep the core you know, warm. So it can be like, you know, from stress, it can be from anything, any you know, environment. Yeah. It can be always an indication the muscle wants to grow. Yeah. But if the body says, I want to eat, in the off-season, that means give him the food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, awesome. and uh, before we get into move forward uh, on from off-season, um, what about uh, dirty meals, uh, if it fits your macros, that t- style of eating? Are you a, a fan of that? Has its place for, for certain uh, individuals? In the off-season, again, there's no restriction. Whatever makes you happy, makes you happy. Now, if you want to go out twice a week, eat in a restaurant, just, you know, because you like it, you can do it, basically. You mean if you want to have like 20% of your, you know, calorie intake into junk food, then you can do it. It doesn't make a difference what you're going to do. The one thing that I always tell everybody, you know, you try to stay away from the same food you use when you're competing. So if you compete, your basic protein is chicken. In the off-season, you just try to minimize it. Not stop it, but minimize it. You need to stop being lazy and start using your imagination. Yeah, You mean there's so much different proteins you can use. Yeah. 
when just you know you go to supermarket you were lucky in Sydney in Australia you yeah. can go to you know you got seafood you got fish you got lamb yes. you got pork you got anything yeah. just you know, people just keep using eating chicken just basically because they don't want to think yeah lazy and and tell me Charlie do you think there's a, a, a I mean without going into details have you noticed a, a better gut health per se like with with more variety you feel that the whole uh, everything just works a little better it's a definite you know, I mean everyone knows it I mean so many bodybuilders you know that I ask them if they have any digestion problem and they say no and then I ask them if in the morning they got their lunch and they say yes <laughs> yeah. but there's so much used to it yeah. that for them it's not a problem normal. anymore yeah. Yeah. yeah they just perceive it as normal yeah. interesting Okay, so that's uh, training, nutrition, supplements. In terms of the performance-enhancing <coughs> side of things, Charlie, what, what what does the off-season look like for you? Back in the back in the days, you know, I spent time training in England, basically up north and up in in, in London. And I I was lucky; I've met quite a few. I don't want to mention names, but we bodybuilders. And most of them, they have a different approach. Some of them, they had like a, like most of them that I've met, they were quite good. They had a four-on two weeks cycle so for on two weeks for on two weeks I, I tried it for myself it didn't work I used more the old system which means from one universe to one universe 12 months you don't only do two cycles so you got one cycle basically which only focuses on strength and then you try to bring all the receptors as fresh as possible and stay clean as much as possible and you try to maintain as much muscle without using nothing and then you got the second cycle which would be about 14 weeks 16 weeks, 14 weeks before the show. Okay. So the f- both cycles, you need to focus mostly on whatever gear you use that gives you strength. Right. And everyone is individual. Some people, you know, get more strength on one thing than another. Yeah. At the same time, you need to use something that mentally it doesn't mess you up. Yeah. Because if mentally, if you use something, let's say, you know, the balls, mentally it makes you angry. You start fighting with everybody. Yeah. As a consequence, you're missing meals. Yes. As a consequence, you're going to lose your job. Then it's not... You can use something else. There's such a big variation of yeah. things to do. So you need to find something that works for you. Personally, for me, in the off-season, it was basically you know, like test the balls and master them. Yeah. And, you know, it was always good for me. Okay. I mean, once, when you, the last cycle before competition, let's say doing 14, 16 weeks, the majority of the cycle, you have to focus on strength. Because that's what's going to build muscle and maintain yeah, muscle. And maintain muscle, yeah. And the only, only, only the last four weeks, and that's when you switch gear that makes you harder and fuller. Yes. You don't need to start eight weeks before using ten. It, it just it doesn't make any sense. Most of it is just all about logic. Yeah. You mean, basically, you need just to stay over there and use whatever makes you strong for a long time. Now, if I go back to my ex- personal experience, yeah. genetically, I don't hold fluid. So there was, for me, there was no reason to use things like Anava. I used yeah. them because I didn't have the experience. But by the time I just realized yeah. that there's no reason for me to use, for example, Anava. Yeah. I, get, I used to get more benefit if you use you know, Anapolon. Yeah. It comes much cheaper in price because I only have to use one or two. Yeah. And it just gives, oh, you're, you're, it just gives the fullness. You're only human, Charlie. Of course you'd prefer <laughs> Anapolon. I mean, any, any decent people, human being does. But some people, <laughs> would, some, some people compete genetically hold fluid. So if they use an up, yeah. they use an apple and they're gonna yeah. get full of water. So yep, it's yep, not yep, it's yep. not the right thing for them to do. Okay, so uh, individual uh, specific compounds there. So you spoke about um, I don't want to labour on uh, the gear side of things, but just for our listeners' benefit, you started uh, with a, a two two cycles basically, 14 to 16 into the show. The cycle, the first cycle in the off season, and then how long between 
again just rough yeah. numbers is it 14 to 16 off season then 14 to 16 break and then into the show like so it was always the same so after after the universe you don't do nothing if i'm going to compete if i'm doing both shows universe and worlds right worlds is in june so i start my psych i only start 16 weeks before the before the worlds if i'm not doing the worlds i'm going to stay for the for october i start my cycle on the third week of january 14 16 weeks and then i work out backwards from the universe and the gap in between it's off that should be another 12 weeks off. Okay. And that's long enough for everything to, out of the system, receptors? 12 clean. weeks, you know, 12 weeks, you lose most of your strength and everything, basically. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Is, that a, um, is that a pretty tough 12 weeks, Charlie, like mentally? When you stop, you get like a second wind, so you feel better, and you go, wow, and then, <laughs> it, then it hits you. I feel normal. Then it hits you, and you go a bit low, and then you stabilize yourself, and you become normal again. Mm. I mean, it's it's a, it's more of a mind game. If you want it, it's all deep down inside. It's more about how much you want to win. Yeah, yeah. And whatever it takes. Now, if I feel weaker, I know I'm feeling weaker because of. Yeah, I'm cleaning, exactly. I'm cleaning my receptors because yeah, I'm going to come up stronger. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. And so, sorry, mate. And you did that uh, what for eight years consistently or, or longer? Much longer. Much longer. My, my first World Championships I won was 1995. 95. So yeah. So, yeah. You know, I I have played that system already in 1995. You know, yeah. basically, and then it just kept going. My my goal it was never to win the World Championship. My goal was to win the World Championship with a perfect score. Yeah. My yeah. goal was always yeah. to win the Nationals with a perfect score. And I'm not gonna you know say much, but I won. You know, I think I won. Not definitely. I won two world championships with a perfect score, yeah. and I won all my nationals with a perfect score. Mm. Yeah, mm. very good. And, and so, just to and so, how long did your competing career last for? My first show it was 1987. Yeah. My first nationals was 1989. I yeah. won. Yep. My last show it was 2014 or 16. Okay. 14. So 20 years. Oh, more. More. more yeah. 25 nearly. Yeah. 25 years of competing and. Along the way, you monitoring your health and checking everything and all that kind of stuff. I was lucky, as I said, because I've met you know quite a few old bodybuilders that you know took me under their wing. I don't, as I say, I never like to mention names, but I have yeah. to mention like I was lucky that I met uh, there's an English bodybuilder. He's turning 75 this year, yeah, right. and his name well. is John Citron. And uh, I was lucky enough to become friends with him, and it was an eye opener. The guy, you know, he won more shows than anybody that I know. Yeah. You know, financially he's quite good and he's very healthy. Okay. So for me, you know, I view him more as a mentor than anything else. Yeah. You mean? And um, I've learned how to pace myself. I mean, when I've looked at bodybuilders who are friends of mine and, uh, and they've retired from competing, technically they end up mentally not very good because financially they were not very good. Yes. And I didn't know what happened to me. Yeah. You mean? So what I, what I was doing was pacing myself. At first I tried to do business and compete at the same time. It didn't work. I couldn't, you know, so then what I was doing, I was switching over. So there was, you know, the child Duca that he competes, and then I just draw a line, and then there was, you know, and I can wait, now this two years, you know, I'm going to do just business. Mm. And then I just switch over again. Yep. I mean, so instead I tried to do both, I started going from one to another, you know, one that competes only, and when I compete, I was working maybe, maybe 20, 25 hours a week. And then when I don't compete, then I just, you know, I just reverse right. the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. And that's a whole uh, different beast that we won't get into today, Charlie Duker and the business development yeah. side of things. That yes. could possibly be another uh, podcast another, in yep. itself. 
Um, tell me, Charlie, with with that, because uh, I do want to get on and just break down those an overview of those three phases. Mm. The what, uh, doing what you're doing, it sounds like a, a you know a, a more responsible way to do it. Time off, uh, then back on to you know deliberate um, cycles, I guess. Did you, what was a realistic expectation in uh, growth from year to year? Did you did you did you look at more just changing the body shape, bringing up those, trying to get that perfect score, or did you give yourself a, well, two, two, you know, one or two kilos a year I can put on of, of quality <coughs> muscle? Did you break it down like that, or just simply the tape measure? And, I, I and had this, I had, by the time I had this deal in my head, the package I had on stage made me win. If I managed to beat him, then there's a big chance I'm going to win again. So my my focus was always to, to beat my previous, you know, yes. my previous show. Yeah. Some people they say it, but I really meant it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, used, I had my own pictures basically, and I used to get a pen and pinpoint. <laughs> you mean I need a separation over here, separation over there? Mm. You mean like you know try to make a bit more smaller waist, more detail in the back? Mm. You mean you know bigger Subtle hemis? changes. Yeah, just small yeah. changes that make a big difference. Yeah. You mean bodybuilding? Everyone knows it's an illusion. When you go on stage, everything that you know adds up. You know, if you have a deeper separation, you know, in certain butter parts, it's gonna make it look bigger. Yeah. Mm. I mean, so you know, it wasn't it wasn't about going to the gym and get smashed. It's about going to the gym. I, I I always said it before. You know, even some other articles. I think what made a difference for me was my warm ups. Most of my warm ups, my training partner do his own warm up. I go by my own way, and just say some somewhere quiet, like like slowly, but in my head. I always focus what I'm doing. So I'm training chest and what I want to improve. I want to improve my lower chest and separation between, you know, in the middle of my chest. Yeah. And then it's what I'm sacrificing to be here. So I'm sacrificing, you know, getting more income. I'm sacrificing time yeah. outside with my friends. I'm sacrificing 10 hours away, 10 hours a day asleep. And that gives me the drive before I start training, just to train. Yeah. You mean, you know, for me, the more I'm up, it's sort of, you know, starting the engine and letting it warm up. Mm. You mean? Very good. And then it just from there it just goes. Created, creates so the whole mindset yeah, and yeah, the that, purpose about the, the, the workout. That really deep and rooted uh, yeah. mind muscle connection yeah. there. And over the years, Charlie, as you got the pen out and looked at the photos, did your angles from workouts just change slightly? They change from one show to another. One show to the next. Because I do a show and then analyze the photos and I see you know what I want to do. So after I compete, the next morning I used to wake up, get a pen and start setting things down before yeah. I forget. Yeah. It can be anything. It can be every single mistake that I've done, basically, you know, whatever I can remember. Especially yeah. in the last 48 hours on the sh- before the show. Yeah. You know, the small things make a big difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and then when you look back, especially the day after the show, then you say, geez, that guy, he beat me because of. Or that guy, yeah. he, he didn't beat me, but he came close because of. Mm. Yeah. He started things down and tried to fix them. I mean, and just put them aside. You have like one, you know, you got, back then there was no folders on the internet, you know, you get one, one folder and it says, you know, notes, and it says notes before the show. Yeah. You just go through them one by one, one by one. Yeah. I mean, every mistake you've done before, yeah. I'll just give you an example. When I competed in 1993 for the universe, I was sponsored by, by Tropicana, it was an English supplement company. And uh, back then they came up with a, with a lotion that keeps you warm backstage. <laughs> Nowadays everyone got it. So I was pumping up backstage, I put it on, and all of a sudden, my body went just, you know, burning. <laughs> you mean? And I couldn't, you know, I couldn't resist, basically. And when everyone was pumping up, they were putting, you know, wet towels on my body, they had to cool me down. 
I went on stage without even having color on my body. You hear me? But then without I, the tan. Without the tan. Uh. But then I've learned my lesson. I will never yeah. try anything new. Yeah. yeah. You mean the last four weeks before the show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See what I mean? Basically, I still end up coming second, so it wasn't that bad. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Lucky you've got the Maltese skin. No. Nice bit of natural tan. Thick skin, all right. Um, all right, so they've been through that process of the off-season. You're going to start phase one of the contest prep into the show. So what, <coughs> what, what is the, the first phase looking like? So the first phase, it's interesting because it's all, you know, basically it's how to make a plan. And... Everyone knows that competes, that stress, you know, it's a major factor that holds you back. So the first plan is how to take the stress out of the equation, which means if you're going to do the Arnold's, you know how much it's going to cost you the accommodation, yeah. and you know how much it's going to cost you the entry fee, and if you have a, you know, a coach, you know how much it's going to cost you for the last 14 weeks with the coach. Yeah. So you have to work out how much money you need to compete, and let's say you come with a number of, let's say, 5,000. Then the question is, if you have $5,000, Mm. Now, if you don't have $5,000, then you're going to get stressed. You mean? It is quite silly to spend all your money competing, and then you've got no money to compete at the Arnold's, and you go and crash at someone else's house. Mm. Yeah. Especially, you try to focus, and your friend, you've got, you know, family with the kids. You mean? Yeah. You cannot, you know, you're throwing, you're throwing everything away in the last 48 hours. Yeah. So, for the first phase, you need to be realistic and make a plan. Okay. So the whole plan is, is how you're going to get to the day of the show, not mentally depleted, but mentally, you know, with that winning attitude. Mm. I mean, so even if everything go, even if you make a plan, in those 14 weeks, something's going to go wrong. Injury, extra bills, but you try to take off the load that you know they're coming. If you're going to compete, you know what I mean, and you have to launch, you know, basically, I don't know, you're going to compete and your partner is going overseas for four weeks. Yeah. You know, you've got a shift in your lifestyle of four weeks. So prepare for it. Yeah. Buy extra food. You mean get everything organized. Yeah. I mean, you're preparing for a contest for 14 weeks. There is no reason certain foods why you don't buy them in advance. Yeah. Take off the load. You know what I mean? You know you're going to eat six times a day and four times you carry containers with you. Yeah. So you need not four containers, you need eight containers, four yeah, washing and four with you. Yeah. But you don't want to get stressed, I got no, you know, on just simple things. Yeah. You go from simple things to big things, like, you know, the air ticket, where you're going to stay. Yeah, yeah. The things that you need to think about, especially, for example, with bikini girls or figure girls, they got much more stress than men bodybuilders, because they got the hair and the nails yeah, yeah, and the yeah. costume, yeah. you know. For, if I have to give an advice for a bikini girl or a figure girl, she needs to get ready for a show before a man bodybuilder. Because the last one week for a male, he got posing trunks and contest color and just happy-go-lucky. Yeah. With the females, you know, all this, everything you know, goes crazy. Mm. The nails and the hair and then the hairdresser doesn't turn up. Yeah. I mean, so for a, for a figure bikini girl, the earlier she gets ready for a show, then she can stop doing cardio and she can spend the time doing cardio of taking care of other things yeah very good very good so mm. they get the girls ready a little bit sooner than the boys yeah uh, and I will I will just chime in there and um, and I we've had a discussion we won't name names but um, you know you actually went up for uh, the guy ended up uh, getting a pro card but you ended up going up and actually uh, Charlie uh, lived, with, lived with this guy for a couple of days and, and checked his pantry his fridge went shopping with him and actually the, the very things that you're describing now first hand 
implemented all mm. these things for this individual so he could have the best prep into into his show, which he went on to do really well at. But um, now that's now that's taking that's that next coaching level. to the yeah. next level. It, that's it, next level. Is that what you've done with 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 uh, obviously that's an extreme case of you actually setting up that lifestyle? But is that something that um, you know you've done over the years? Th- those sorts of things. When I was competing, you know, I was done it. You know what I mean, with clients, you, you do it, you know, in pieces. When you train them, especially just talk with them, you know, everything starts with the surface. You mean, you know, if they said, uh, I'm not happy with my job, then the question is, can you hold your job for the next 14 weeks? Yeah. yeah. Now, if the answer is no, you're going to change it now. You don't want to yeah, be right, like six okay. weeks out and change your job. Wow. Yeah. So those things come more while you're training your client, having a conversation, than on a piece of paper. Mm. You know what I mean? You know? Yeah, yeah. The, more the, the more the client knows you and the more you know him, the more things will open up and the easier they get. Yeah. Interesting. So looking at you know, finances, employment, relationship, schedule, family, lifestyle, the schedule, up. yeah, all Everything, that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. you know, you're doing the Arnold's, if you're going to book in the last one month, most accommodation is going to be fully booked. Yeah, 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 yeah. So let's but book that, get yeah, that all locked in. Yeah, yeah. Look, look it in, you know where you're going, just look it in, get the yeah. best accommodation you can. Interesting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay. All right. So from that uh, stress reduction, knowing that the path is smooth, Lifestyle and up. you can actually get into the... <coughs> You know, build confidence into the comp rather than be more and more depleted as it goes along. What are you doing nutritionally? You mentioned that the protein was a little lower in the off season, so are you bumping that back up, or what's going on? So while I while I reduce my carbs a bit, I always aim for a protein about up maximum to about three point three grams of protein per kilo body weight. Mm-hmm. That's the highest I normally go basically. With fats, I go from about one point two five to one point five to about point seven five grams of fat. Okay. With carbohydrates, I start minimizing the carbohydrates slowly. So what I do, I, I put the carbs in a sections, let's say, of 50 grams. Yeah. So every time that I stopped improving, I cut the carbs on by 50 grams. Yeah. Or I increase my cardio. So basically, I always you know, analyze myself and I say, okay, I'm improving, I'm improving, I'm improving. I stopped improving. Yeah. Okay, I need to change something. Yes. And I never change a lot of things. So I, I increase my cardio. Yeah. Or I reduce my carbs, or I introduce something new. Okay. But That's I never do a lot of things at the same time. Same time, yeah, now, no, one variable. Yeah. Now, everybody have a way how to measure his progress. I'm not a very big believer on Dexter scan. It, no. It's not my thing. No. But I'm always a big believer in calipers. Yes. But I had my own way how to do the calipers, basically. So I've picked up six, six places in my body, which, you know, either got a scar, I got injured. Yeah, so it's always point. it's always the same point. You yeah, mean always you know, those are my points. <laughs> so the, the the result I get, the average, technically it's if I count six let's say six, I know it's not six. Yeah. It's a number that I need to reduce. Hundred yes. percent. That's exactly what I do. Yeah. Yeah. But from year to year this card the the belt mark this card is gonna stay in the same place. So I always measure the same spot. So so what you're saying there, uh, Charlie, is uh, get your client, dig the knife in. Yeah. Six places around, but I get a scar that yeah. you can. Uh, you always yeah. find them. You know, some they got <laughs> Mom, ta- Molly, some Molly, got, Molly. Yeah, you know? some they got tattoos. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, you know, yeah. you're always gonna find them basically. Yeah. If you don't find nothing, find like midsection, you go, you know, belly button, you know, yeah. five centimeters up. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And w- once you get once that one up, once a week you do the calipers. Now the aim is, is to get your skin as thin as possible. Yeah. That the whole the whole contest prep up until the last ten days before the show, it's all about getting the skin as thin as possible. Now, talk about clients and individual. One thing you always keep in two things you have to keep in mind as a coach. If the guy is gonna compete, how deep are his separations, yeah. and how much he weighs when he goes on stage. 
Because if someone competes, let's say, 89 kilos, is it worth it put him on stage at 90.5 or keep him in the same class? You, know, you don't want to decide in the last one minute. Yeah, right. You try to make a plan. Yep. I mean, now, same thing with the separation. Like, talk about personally myself. My separations, I had good lines, but they were not very deep. And I knew it. If I get fully pumped, that separation, it basically disappears. Mm. And I'm not going to win. So when I go on stage, I will never go on stage fully loaded. Interesting. And I will never use insulin. Because insulin is going to put me maybe one, two kilos heavier, but I lose all my lines. Very cool. You mean my strength on stage, it was my lines. I'm not going to sacrifice my lines to be one kilo heavier on stage or before that. That's yeah. fascinating, Charlie. So you actually, your process of backstage would be not to pump up very much compared to others trying to pump up a lot. You would, you would find a little pump, but not excessively pumped. You, you try to pump up backstage, you know, to build up your confidence and feel good. But if there's not enough carbs inside of you, then how much you can try to pump up? There's nothing right, right, inside right, of right. you. So you're talking about the, the lead up, you wouldn't over, you've seen, overload You've seen you. people backstage who got a not very deep separations and they eat, eat, eat and pump, pump up, eat, eat, yeah. eat and I'm like, man, what you're doing is just putting yourself two places backwards. Yeah. Mm. But before, because they feel, they feel full, yeah. a good example is Dorian Yates. Dorian Yates on stage, he's, <laughs> yeah. never, he's never fully loaded. Yeah. You mean he's always like partially flat? Yeah. You mean? And he still, <laughs> he still wins. He's still, mm. uh, you know, 265 <coughs> uh, pounds, yeah. yeah, crazy. Okay, um, so you, you, you're... So that 50 gram of carbs, you check in every week. How frequently do you only make adjustments when you stop seeing change or purely, or do you preempt, okay, it's been two weeks, we haven't, you know, we've been progressing, but uh, I'm going to change it anyway. How frequently, uh, yeah, always, like, what would the feedback I be? I always decide to change after I do the calipers. With most, most, everyone that I, I, you know, I help, I get them to weigh themselves every morning when they wake up. Yeah. To be honest, it's not important about the weight. You mean, you have, have, have an idea on how the body is responding. Yeah. It is more about the client. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If a client wake up in the morning and he forget to weigh himself, you mean, it's impossible to tell me he's motivated. Yes. Dude, if, you cannot, if you cannot wake exactly. up in the morning and you weigh yourself, that means you're thinking about competing. Dude. How can you put an effort of eating six meals in time when you yeah. cannot put an effort to go on the scales and text me? No, 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 mm. no, they're doing all that. They, do, they, just, they just didn't do the scale work. But yeah. everything else is perfect. It's impossible. <laughs> but then I know who I'm dealing they, with. They, they work yeah. up at 6 a.m. They just sit Look, through at 9 a.m. Yeah. Long, long time ago, I used to fight with my clients and call <laughs> them and try to put them in line. It never works. No. By the time I came to you know, a conclusion that I try to basically work the way they work. Yeah. Mm. You know what I mean? And I try to explain to them slowly once and twice. You know, and, you know, I mean? you know Most people, you've got to understand, that's, only, that's why a few people win and a lot of people lose. Yeah. When they don't have the same life as others. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like Charlie's got all these uh, sneaky ways to keep you accountable in his uh, prep. Yeah, these little, 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 experience. little, yeah. little uh, tricks along the way. And I think also just being realistic, like what you said, Charlie. You know, like there will only be a small percentage of people you work with that are willing to go all the way. To go all the way and do every detail and, and tick every box, and you know, not to sweat it with those who don't. It's the same thing with posing. You know, you're going to be on stage. And on stage, you're going to get judged on posing. But, you know, I would say 80% of the bodybuilders, when it comes to male, they just neglect posing. But deep down inside, they know they don't know how to pose. Yeah. And mm. deep down inside, they know they're going to get marked down or not look that because they're not posed good. But yet, they don't even want to pose. Exactly. You mean, you know? Yeah. You know hey, I send my, my athletes to you. Hmm? I, I tell them all the time, go see Charlie, go see Charlie. I can't. Yeah. 
lead a horse to water. I can't and make it, a even one thing I've done by posing, what we're having, you know, talk about this one, you know, is the importance of how to pose on both sides. Yeah, yeah. You're doing side chest on the left and you do side chest on the right. You know, side triceps on the left and side triceps on the right. And it's very important because you've learned how to pose from both sides, even if you have an injury. At least you can, you know, you can turn around. Mm. There's, you've got nothing to lose, but everything to gain. Yeah. Mm. To how Be to versatile. Play. Yeah. Well, just while we're on that point, something we spoke about before we came on air, Charlie, was, you know, you'll even design exercises to mimic mm. the yeah. pose, so they're loading mm. tension in the position of the pose, which I think is a great idea. Mm. Yeah, I believe, I believe it works. I mean, you know, you're going to get judged on certain poses. You're going to flex in a certain way. Why don't you do exercises in the same way? Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like, like we mentioned before, yeah. you mean, you know, if you, you know, instead of doing barbell curl, if you do, like, drag weight, you mean you know it mimics side chest, you know, and yeah. it's a different, it's a different feeling altogether doing body because Interesting. Because you're pulling it in backwards. Yeah. You mean basically? And, and, and what about Charlie? Do you uh, do you advocate? You know, um, it might be frowned upon by others in the gym when you you belt into a couple of poses in between sets. But are you also encouraging, or is the training session just training and then posing as a separate entity, or do you do, do you encourage pose at every opportunity when, between sets? When et cetera, it comes close to the show. And I see someone who doesn't have that mind connection, you know, with the muscle between each set we pose. Yeah. Okay. So if I do like so close pull, to the show. So you do pull downs, and you know you pull down and you do 10 seconds double bicep back. And then when we do the movement, you do the movement, and you know 10 seconds last spread. Yeah. Right. Okay. You mean so you know because if I think he's looking back from posing, then I just you know put it in. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. All right. Okay. So that's first phase done. First it, phase done. So that's the bulk of the prep. Phase so two starts ten, what, days. 10 days out from the yeah. show. Okay. So by 10 days, you're in contest shape. Yeah. And then 10 days well, out. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you then, have to, yeah. Charlie it's said. The, it's the Duke method. <laughs> yeah. If you're serious, you have to. Okay. You mean? All right. And that's one thing that you know, most people fail. You try to, you know, you try to move the date. Let's say the competition is on the 10th of September. Yeah. September. You push the date 10 days earlier. You mean so you get ready early, but most people doesn't go into their head. You know what I mean? But yeah. you know, anyway, but then 10 days out, you need to analyze everything and make a plan for 10 days. And okay. there's more than one way to do it. If you're gonna travel overseas, you have to go one way. Yeah. If you're gonna go to Melbourne, different way. If you're gonna stay here, different way. Okay. If you're in good condition and mentally you're strong enough, you do it one way. If mentally you're weak. And, you, and I'm going to deplete you, you're going to get much weaker. Yeah. You mean, so the last 10 days, it's the 10 days that you start to analyze everything. Analyze, you know, if you have a client, you know, his state of mind. You analyze basically, you know, how depleted he is, you yeah. know, how much he can handle the diet. Yeah. If he's been cheating half his diet, and you're going to deplete him, he's going to, he's going to cheat. Yeah. So don't give him a full depletion, you just make it easier for him. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about, for example, my experience, what I did, right? Yeah. If I go back, for example, in 1995, the World Championship had a different package in 1998. There's a reason. Because the, in 1993, I lost against the Italian guys. In 1995, the Italian guys won the European Championships a week before the Worlds. So I was 88 kilos on Sunday. So I had six days to make a plan. And I said, I'm not going to lose against the Italians and I'm not going to be in condition. So technically, we changed everything and from 88, up until Friday, I went down to 83. What? Yeah, I just keep, you know, I get harder and harder and harder and harder and harder. Yeah. Bottom line is, at the overall, the guy who came second was Italian. You won. And I won. Same thing, 98, when I won the World Championships. The guy who won the European Championships, he was from Israel. And uh, there was the, the English guy who won his class. 
and I knew it was about fullness. So okay. then you change method. Right. So then the system is, I want to get okay. as full as a house. Okay, so, so you were like seeing what the Italians brought to the table and said they're conditioned as, as fuck, so to speak, yeah. and then you dialed in and bought the conditioning, another competition, they were fuller. If you look at my full. photos of each World Championships, each World Championship had a different package. Fascinating. In, in 2000, I, had to, I knew that my biggest competition is going to be Grand Mario. Grand Mario won the World Championship in 97, I won in 98, and it's going to be in my class. So I knew, you know, I knew what he's going to bring on, you know, on the table. Yeah. So my job was to, you know, bring something better. You know what I mean, basically. It just and what did you do there if he was bigger? I knew I was, I knew I was bigger than him, and I knew I had a better shape than him. I know that Grant was very confident. You know what I mean? And I knew I was going to hard. So I said, if I can match him in hardness, and I'm bigger than him and have a better shape, I'm going to beat him. Cool. Yeah. But absolutely amazing to hear that uh, for our listeners, um, again, Google Charlie Durker, if you but 83 kilos. I yeah. Mean, how, enough, how much do you weigh, Cam? That's me. What, yeah. Eight, about 83. But funny yeah. enough, because Peeled. the guys, yeah. Yeah. the guy who came second in the overall, they were about 100, 110. Yeah. So what they, the hell? Wow. So they were about 28 kilos. Wow. You know what I mean? And you beat them. <laughs> Crazy. I haven't heard that many people talk about it, the sport in that sense, like... They're always trying to be the best version of themselves. Of themselves yeah. Rarely have I heard a sporting game plan when you're looking at your opposition and you know, what am I going to do here. Is, and I'll give you another example of what I was doing because we can go forever. Like backstage, most people start and pump up, pump up, pump up. Mm. And they just talk to their friends and they're texting their girlfriend, whatever. Yeah. Mm. You know, you got a, you got a 15 minute Facebook. window, 15 window open to check your opposition. Yeah. And you say, okay, that guy can beat him, and that guy, I can beat him. That guy, he's whoa, he's good. Mm. Now, where can I beat him? Now, from the front, he's better than me, but looking from from behind, I'm better than him. <laughs> and then I know that his car is better than, bigger than mine, and he's much thicker than I am. So you put a full analysis on that guy. Mm. And then when they call the numbers out, you know who you're dealing with. Yeah, if yeah, he's, yeah, if yeah. he's thicker than me from his chest, and I'm next to him, I'm going to take a step sideways, so I don't get a full, full, you know, yeah, yeah, full, yeah, yeah, full yeah, yeah. Uh, comparison. Know, comparison with him. And then yeah. I suppose you would, uh, if he but did the side chest one way, you do it the opposite yeah, way. But then, then if I'm doing double bicep back and I know he's soft from behind, you get right. I'm going to hit it first and keep it there and try to show the judges how weak he is. You mean? <laughs> how good is that? Yeah, yeah. how good so is that? You got, that, you got that one, you know, 15 minutes backstage. You just, you know, just pump up slowly and just analyze everything. That's, that, that's amazing, Charlie. And, and I think... Uh, being well aware of your weaknesses as a, and being instead yes. of saying no, nah, I'm on, I'm, you know, like a, I'm, I'm going to bring it to stage, you know, no, nah, I've, I've got this. It's like, well, nah, I'm shit here, here, and here. Let's have a look who back here has got better body parts yeah. there. Mm, okay, but mine's. I think that's. You know, uh, I was, you know how we said before, uh, you brutally raw and, and, and an awareness of a step back and be open and analyze and actually have a game fight. Even even just takes you know one thing that I've learned by experience. You go in the audience. Take a seat behind the judges and check the light. We always think the light in the middle is the best light, but most of the time the light in the middle is not the best light. Yeah, watch it out. Yeah, <laughs> too, and you, too, too and you try to find the best light. You say, okay, the best light on stage is on the right side. And as soon as they call your number, you just go on the right side. And if there's someone better than you, you just put your hand in the middle and put them on the, on the middle. Just <laughs> <So> there. <laughs> uh, over there competitor no 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 he's going he's there thank you just here's what he meant everything everything every small thing when you go get on away stage, with what you can yeah, yeah. even with you know like people who compete they always engage with the audience mm. 
but you're getting judged with nine judges, seven judges, not the audience. <laughs> so your eyes shouldn't be on the on the audience. You don't yeah. try, to find, try to find your girlfriend. Yeah. Your girlfriend is going to stay there after the show for the next year, possibly going to be your wife. Yeah. Mm. But you got seven judges, nine judges, and they're looking at you. Yeah. And when the judge stops looking at you, put the pen down, and then it, forget about him. Forget move about on. him and move on. Mm. Obviously, our listeners will be aware of Arnie, but but I, I gather he was famous for playing the mind games and uh, with Lou and, and 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 whispering things into his ear. You know, how's your mum been? You know, rah, rah, rah. it's like what? You know, I'm about to go on stage. But it, it sounds like those that have dominated the sport have been very good at what they've done. And I think we discussed again, not to name names, but but we are. I think Dorian was also yeah. very good at at, at, at playing Dorian these was, games yeah. and, and just crushing everyone else on stage. Even even Sean Ray was very good. Yeah, Sean Ray, you know, he's very strategic. You know, when he, like, you know, he goes on stage. Okay, he's looking really good. But to beat someone like Nasser, somebody yeah, twice as big. Yeah, you know I mean you, you need to mentally be very very strong. Yeah. You know, because I mean? he's, he's talking about when you when you are backstage, but I've been there as well. And you know, you're pumping up, then you see just this this freak in the corner pumping up. It's like, my God, how am I going to beat this guy? You know, and and then you know you, they get up there, and the conditioning's not as good as whatnot. But it, it takes a, a very strong uh, psychological disposition not to be put off by yes. by just sheer. Which would be the case with with Sean Ray and uh, and, and I mean Nasi. You know, this guy was a behemoth. You know, just just monstrous. Mm. Yeah, fascinating. I'm sure there's a lot of detail. Well, I know there's a lot of detail in those last 10 days and, and things you can do. I mean, so, so the last 10 days, my favorite plan, in fact, my favorite plan is basically to deplete, load, and I load to a point where I start spilling. So I load to a point that I'm holding fluid. Yep. And once I'm holding fluid, I'm happy because I know that I'm, I'm, I know I'm going to get in. Yeah. And then once I start to hold fluid, then the, the experience is not to get rid of the fluid, is to push the fluid inside the muscle. Yeah. And that gives you more that richness or fullness. So basically, like the night before the show, I'm holding fluid. But then I know, my experience, if I cut the carbs, cut the water, add the potassium, I'm going to push everything in. Interesting. You mean? Yeah, so what I'll do, basically, I will load, and then the last day before the show, I deplete again. You'll load over a period of days? So I load for about three or four days, possibly yeah. about 12 days. I keep loading until I start spilling. Once I start spilling, I'm good. Then once I start to spill the day before the show, so I'm going to I'm going to compete on Sunday. So Saturday, I will cut the carbs down completely. I will have carbs breakfast and I will have carbs on dinner, and every other meal basically is just chicken and peanut butter. Yeah. Basically, you mean I just keep the calories in, but I just cut the carbs down. Any any posing or anything that day prior, or I keep posing up until the end. Right. You mean I will on the last day? I don't overdo it because otherwise I, I flattened I flattened out. Yeah. But I just, I just, the last, the last four days before the show, I trained about, train and pose about three, four times in one day. Not, not big ones. So I eat, I pose, I rest. I just eat, I pose, and I just rest. Yeah. I just keep doing the same process. Even with weight training, I keep my, my regime of weight training, my off-season training, up until depletion. When I deplete, that's when the training change. Yeah. So when I deplete, I do all these super sets. I do about 40 sessions in one session. Yeah. 40 sets, sorry. Yeah. In one session, twice a day. So that's 80 sets yeah. in one day. Yeah. I do it for the whole depletion. And then when I'm loading, I try not to use much equipment. So for me, loading, it's about backstage. So when I'm loading, I change my workout. So the best way to load, the best way to pump backstage it's the opposite of how you train. So you start pumping up from your arms. Yeah. You pump your arms first, and then you go chest, shoulders, and back. 
And that's then you're eating the carbs as well. So you, you do that session, get the get the carbs in. That's yeah. part of the loading process. Yeah. So it's a process. I, I eat, yeah. wait about half an hour. I you know I do my workout, pose, and then I rest, and then I just repeat, and yeah. then I just repeat. If I feel tired, I miss the workout. I just eat. Otherwise, I just keep repeating basically. So the the training session you're doing there is actually helping you load the carbs. Load the yeah, just, yeah. just That's push awesome. push them in. Just push very them cool. In. Very cool. Yeah. You're getting a bit of a for our listeners getting some pretty uh, yeah, really cutting good. edge. Uh, mm. Duke your information here. And comp day, keep that pretty simple? Or is that final phase? That's fi- Yeah, so phase three, last 48 hours? So the last 48 hours, basically, you know, the way, the way I explain it, it's like landing the jumbo. <laughs> yeah. You know, everything is perfect, and all you have to do, just follow the plan and get in there. Don't try to do anything, anything silly. If you think you're holding fluid, all you gotta do, do one session extra of posing, don't try yep. to use any medication try to fix it because you got no you got you know you got no understanding how your body's gonna work. There's such a synergy between medication. You take something, things are gonna go one way, because there's something else in the body it's gonna work a different way. Mm. So if you feel you you're very you know, you're holding fluid and you have to be realistic, you're holding fluid not fat. If it's fat there's no chance. Yeah. All you gotta do, you know, have a you know, have a glass of wine and it will help. Have a you know, have a good pump up, yeah, it will help. But don't you know so the first, the last, the last 48 hours is when you dive everything in. Now, my favorite system, as I said, I just, you know, over, you know, just spill over and just dry out. Yep. Most of the times, if I have to travel, I don't do nothing. So I look good and I say I look good. I mean, so more, if I have to travel, let's say I'm going for the universe, in my head, I wake up in the morning and instead I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to go on stage. So I don't change nothing. Right, so just like I, another yeah. day. So what I'll do, a couple of days earlier, I train chest, I train chest and triceps, check myself in the mirror. If I look happy, if I'm happy with the way I look, then I just do nothing. In the morning I wake up, I have my gym bag ready, and then basically, you know, no stress, nothing. I just pick up the bag. Another. I don't go gym. I just go, you know, I just go to the to, to, to the comp. To the comp. And 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 tell me. Uh, just to rewind it, backtrack for one second, the, the depletion, much, uh, I know some athletes will avoid the, the quad work in the last week, last couple of weeks. I know some pros do that to Im- improve definition. What about yourself? Did it last uh, in that depletion phase for the three few days before your carb load? Is there leg work in there as well? When I deplete, I use I do leg work. Yep. I don't get sore, yep. but I, I, I'm going to burn more glycogen, yep. training lower body. Yep. So I do legs as well. It's hard because it's tired. Especially on the last day of depletion, you can hardly move. Yeah. But you know, we just do you know, we just do like leg press, twenty reps, yeah. you know, three or four sets, get yep, the yep, you know, yep, get, yep, the, yep. get the blood going. Oh. Right. For me, because my separation is not that deep, ten days before the show, I stop training legs. You mean? But you will do the pump up. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. There we go. Well, that's pretty much. Uh, I mean, there's a lot more detail we could pack into there. But if someone's heard that, Charlie, and they're um, interested in, you know, applying some of those strategies or working with you, what's the the best way to get in contact? At the moment, but, you know. <laughs> See, that's uh, yeah. well. There's yeah. a catch. He doesn't yeah. want to no, actually take any more I, clients yeah, right. on. But 
I still do contest but not as much. For me, it's more like a hobby than anything yeah. else. So yeah. I don't take more than like maybe eight clients, yeah. you know, to compete. Yeah. You mean basically? I do a lot of consultations. I I get a good kick yeah. sitting down and do yeah. consultations. Basically about you know anything. We just sit down, you know, any questions. I just sit down and just answer. I just help them do their own training yeah. program, analyze you know how they can get better. Yeah. It can be you know anything basically. And, so, and, and what's the best contact details for that, mate? How, how would they get in touch with you via uh, social media, Facebook? Or? They go on Facebook. You know, I'm, I'm a bit slow, but I always answer. <laughs> That's he all does. Right, he does. Yeah, I'm always. So it's just Charlie Duca on uh, on Facebook, and yeah. and also we will throw it out there, Tommy. We are um, you know toying around with the idea of maybe putting a seminar together on. Uh, Competition prep and, and, and contest prep with 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 Charlie. So, um, or he, he's thinking about doing something, uh, and of course, it'll have our blessing and endorsement, and we'll help mm. him any way we can. Uh, so, yeah, if any of our listeners are interested in that, feel free to uh, drop us a line and um, let us know as well to give us some feedback. Uh, if you want a, a little bit more detail on everything we spoke about today, we'd go in obviously uh, cover those topics in uh, immense detail for yeah. them. Yeah. Oh, we, well, right. we could keep yeah. going all day, Tommy, but we, we we'll do have, have to get wrap you back in up. here yeah. again, Charlie. Let's get him in oh, again. Thanks. But thanks for your time, mate. It was uh, good to finally meet you after uh, hearing so much about you and um, great insight into how you do things, mate. Very unique and thoughtful. And maybe good if you, you attempted to do a competition prep, maybe you'd... Uh, <laughs> Come <laughs> another, on, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, contact chat. Well, uh, you know, I'm tempted uh, uh, to uh, to get back on the horse at some stage. But uh, yeah, all right, awesome. Okay, thanks. Okay, for mate, time, have, have an awesome Cheers. day, Charlie. I'll, I'll catch up with you soon, mate. And I uh, really appreciate your time coming in today. No, thanks for having me. Thanks, thanks. Buddy. Cheers. Look, there are so many aspects of that Rawdon that I enjoyed, but I tell you what, I love the, um, he gets in, you figure out the angles you're going to work with, mm, mm. find out what exercises and movements best target the part of the body that you want, yeah. and then you stick with those, and it's just the variation intensities over time, like that yeah. just makes sense, because then you know you're making progress. Yeah, exactly, it's quantifiable, yeah. or more quantifiable, I should say, yes. not that it's not quantifiable the other way, but... Lots of uh, variety and change. Sometimes it's hard to actually gauge uh, progression. But mm. I really love the, you know using exercises that, like you said, that uh, actually emulate the positions you're, you're going to hit on stage. Yeah. And, and also being aware of, um, for example, the back. You know, okay, if they're physique better, that's what did he say? It was like I think all five or six of the shots of the mm. X amount of shots um, or mandatory poses, yeah. you, you're going to see your back. So yeah. obviously that should be some sort of priority. priority. Uh, certainly, if it's not a, a strong point, you should give it priority. Mm. And, and and you know sometimes it's something that that may get overlooked. It's like ah oh, from the front, yeah, got to get the peak on the buys. It's like well the lats, are, the lats yeah. are a big part of that shot. Side lats, yep. back obviously lats. Um, for him, it's so specific. It's these mandatory poses. That's yes. what we're prepping yeah. you for. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love the simplicity of it all. And awesome. um, yeah, absolute pleasure to have him in and. Uh, you know, I think that a lot of people will uh, will enjoy listening to. Uh, I think he's a bit of a, a an untapped. I mean, those in the industry that are in the know. Yes. Know no. that he's all that. Yeah. I mean, for example, I mean, we mentioned Aaron Pilate. He's got a pro card underneath him, and and various other uh, you know athletes in Australia have done extremely well with his coaching. So mm. I think this will expose him and uh, give him some. Uh, not that he's after this, but but actually give him some kudos and acknowledgement in the industry because yeah. he is uh, arguably one of the. Uh, 
one of the greatest bodybuilders ever to come out of Australia, but mm. uh, of Maltese extraction, but um, arguably one of the the best uh, comp prep coaches, coaches. ever uh, in the world. Yeah, but certainly in Australia, um, yeah, awesome. All right. Well, look, thanks very much for listening. Uh, we'll talk to you next time. Have a lovely day.